Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This is an entertainment podcast, and the research we do might come from Wikipedia. Welcome to Research Rebuttal, the podcast where two stubborn friends prove each other wrong. Each week, one of us will be the researcher and one of us will be the guesser. I'm Rachel Teichman, and this is Paige Dempster. Hi. And today we're going to discuss marsupials and toilets. I'll be your researcher for today. Paige will be the guesser. Let's get rebutted. So, Paige, are you ready for your first topic? I am. Today's topic is marsupials. Yes, tiny fuzzy friends. So... Let's start out with the question, what is a marsupial? What do you think a marsupial is? I think it's just, well, I know there's a distinction between marsupials and mammals, because marsupials are technically mammals, but mammals are not marsupials. It's like a square rectangle thing. So I think a marsupial is just something with a little pocket that it can stick its baby in. Okay. Anything else about what a marsupial is? I'm sure they give birth in a specific way. I I will say, hang on. I think they give birth to severely underdeveloped young, and that's why the young has to go into the little pocket, because that's where they will grow safe and protected from the outside world until they get fur and whatnot. Okay. What do you think is the the type of animal that is not a marsupial so like so like mammals that are not marsupials i don't think a cow is a marsupial but like what do you think the name of that type of mammal is what type of mammal is a cow or a human? oh oh well yeah a human if it's is... not if it's not a marsupial what is it well a human is a primate and cows are ungulates i believe um isn't primate a pokemon Mm, oh (laughs) sorry i was playing pokemon last night i hatched a shiny grookey but i got pokemon on the brain i'm sorry humans are primates yes primates okay i believe that's the word and i think cows are ungulates they they have mammary glands, uh-huh. I think. I don't uh-huh. know if marsupials have those, the ladies. Okay. Um, oh, I have a question for you. Is a possum a marsupial? Because, yes. Is it? Because yes. I, was, I was thinking about that. And once I... Possums came across my mind and I wasn't sure... Yeah, so, and we're we're gonna get into we're gonna get into uh, why possums are fascinating in a little bit. But first, yeah. but first, um, I'm gonna tell you about my research on what a marsupial is. Okay. Okay. Me. Okay. So, according to LiveScience.com, 
quote, unlike placental mammals. Ooh, I don't like that at all. That's that that was the answer from before. That's what like we are. We are a placental mammal. Ew. So unlike placental mammals, such as humans, dogs, and whales, marsupials give birth to relatively underdeveloped young that continue to grow a ton in the mother's pouch. So you were you were correct that when marsupials are born, they are very underdeveloped. Yeah. So why do you think there are so many marsupials in Australia? Okay, now I have a theory. Okay, let's hear it. So back when Pangaea was a thing, you know, like when all the continents were all smushed together still like millions mm-hmm. and millions of years ago, mm-hmm. I think all of the marsupials happened to evolve in Australia. But then once the continents started to break apart, all of the marsupials were trapped on this island called Australia, and they were all just stuck there. However, the possum is a marsupial, and I think the possum originated from Australia, but it managed to get to Eurasia by floating on some debris all the way to India, and then it must have crossed the Bering Strait land bridge back during the Ice Age, and it made its way to America. Can you tell me about how you came up with that theory? Because it, it's a good theory. <laughs> is, it, is it, like, almost right? It's sort of right, but I want to know about how you came up with that. I just, I took a wild guess, man. I mean, I watch a lot of, like, science documentaries, so it was just approximate knowledge from all of the documentaries I've watched. Okay. So... Here's the reality. Again, according to LiveScience.com, the history of marsupials and how they got to Australia. Marsupials existed at least 70 million years before they got to Australia. Oh. Yeah. They're really old. Like, these animals have evolved over a very long period of time. The And, and here is where you're about to get rebutted. Okay? Okay. All right. So... The oldest known marsupials are from North America. Really? Yeah. Wow. So the possum was here all along. So they evolved during the Cretaceous period. Mm -hmm. And their origins are from placental mammals. (laughs) There's that fun word again. Yeah, yeah. They evolved from placental mammals at least 125 million years ago. At least, yeah. And so uh, here's where your thing about Pangaea is, like, legit. (laughs) You're right that they kind of moved around when the whole Earth was, like, one big landmass, basically. And marsupials first evolved in North America. Right. Then they moved to South America, and then, which makes sense, but then... Because all these land masses were still combined, they moved from South America to Antarctica first. Oh, cool. They were connected. Yeah, they were connected. Yeah, so after they were evolving in Antarctica, they moved to Australia because it hadn't broken off yet. Wow. Oh, so Australia, South America, and Antarctica were all connected at some point. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and so 
Uh, the insect eating, I don't know how to pronounce this, but Dejarthia <laughs> is probably the ancestor of all living Australian marsupials. Including possums? I don't know. What do you think the evolutionary pro of having a pouch is? Well, I mean, I can't think of necessarily the pro of having a pouch, but I'm sure having a super undeveloped baby costs a lot less energy for the body. And the pouch kind of just evolved as a tiny baby protector. Okay. I, I like that. I like that theory. Oh, and maybe, maybe, maybe it's her fur. Yeah, exactly. Maybe it's the fur, and that protects all of the the, you know, the private bits. Okay. I all right. I like. I like your logic. Prevents bacteria stuff. All right. So, here's an answer that I found. Mm-hmm. So it's unclear why there are so many marsupials in Australia. However, a thought process as to why marsupials have pouches and what the benefit of that would be is the animal, the the mother, could jettison any developing babies they had in their pouch. Wait, hang on a minute. So, jettison. Yeah. Does that mean, like, say... The baby, you know, it's taken too long to develop. Gotta, gotta try to have more babies. It can just eject it like a CD. Yeah, so you're really, <laughs> you're you're really close. You're really close. <laughs> like a CD from a 2006 monitor. Yeah, you're really close. Oh my god. So if there's danger or hard times. The mother can literally just yeet their baby out of the pouch and try again. Oh no, <laughs> that's horrible. Whereas placental mammals have to literally wait until their baby is born to abandon them. Yes. Wow, that's that's kind of messed up, but also it makes a lot of sense evolutionarily. Yeah. So can you tell me how many marsupials there are in North America versus South America versus Australia? Huh. So how many do you think are in North America? Well, I know there's a possum, but yeah. like I can't I can't think of any others. I uh, cuz I know of some animals that might be marsupials, but I don't know where they live. What animals do you think are marsup- marsupials? <sighs> um possibly an armadillo. Um, maybe echidnas, but I don't know where echidnas live. I know there are armadillos in, like, Texas. Mm -hmm. I don't know if echidnas are in North America, South America, or Australia, Mm -hmm. or, like, maybe even somewhere else. So, I'm gonna say, can I make, like, a guesstimate? You can guess whatever you want, because you're the guesser. Well, I'm gonna guess between one and three for both North and South America. Okay. And then Australia... Well, okay, I'm going to have to get my fingers out for this. So, kangaroo, platypus, koala, wallaby, I think it's just a tiny kangaroo, wombat. I'm sure there's a few more. What's your final number guess? I'm going to double my five and say there's ten in Australia. All right. Here's what I found. Uh Uh-huh. 
there is one living marsupial that has survived evolution in North America. Is it the possum? It is it is the Virginia possum. Yeah, nice. In South America, there are about 120 known. Oh my god. And get ready for Australia. There are at least 250. <laughs> well, okay, hang on. So maybe so maybe like kangaroo there's like different species of kangaroo so maybe that counts as a few i'm not sure i'm not sure if that's how they included it in their count would you like a fun fact yes please according to pbs.org not all marsupials have pouches oh okay all right and here's another very fun fact kangaroos started out quadrupedal but evolved to be bipedal, and do you know why? Can you guess why they think kangaroos evolved to be bipedal? Uh, something happened to either with being able to reach leaves on trees or their tails just being super strong. According to PBS, the theory is that kangaroos evolved to be bipedal as their living habitats became drier. How does that correlate? The way that I read it was before their habitats were dried up and it was more like jungly, it was more efficient for kangaroos to get around on all four. But then as their habitats became drier, it became more efficient for them to hop at higher speeds through drier land. Huh. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Nice. So I think that about does it for topic one, which means it's time for a word from our sponsors. If your koala is too ravenous for their own good, then you need eucalypticide. Simply spray eucalypticide onto any eucalyptus tree or any other shrubbery to kill it in mere minutes. That'll teach those furry demons not to procreate. Is your Australia too hot? Then you need Antarctic air in a can. Simply remove the pull tab and in seconds, brisk Antarctic air will fill the room, cooling off the space by one entire degree centigrade. That's right, one degree centigrade. Feel that cool blast of Antarctic air. Welcome back to Research Rebuttal Podcast. It's time for topic number two. Toilets. Toilets. We have a lot to go over regarding toilets. Oh, dear. Yeah. So let's start out with who do you think invented the toilet? So I know there are rumors that this guy named Thomas Crapper, haha, funny name, was the one that invented the toilet. But I think he only improved upon the original invention of the toilet, much how Edison improved on the original invention of the light bulb then got all the credit. I think the original creator of the toilet was made by Thomas Crapper's brother, Richard Crapper. So Dick Crapper? Yes, Dick Crapper. Dick Crapper. Okay, go on. Dick Crapper's original toilet was, you know, like the porcelain bowl and whatnot, but the pipe that led down to the sewage, you know, the sewer and whatnot, was just a straight pipe down and because of that like the smell of the sewage would actually waft back up the pipes and make everyone's bathroom smell 
Thomas Crapper improved upon his brother's invention by curving the pipe so the smell of the sewage couldn't get back into people's bathrooms. And that's why he had the superior version. He got the patent. Richard Crapper would die a poor, lonely man. That answers who you think invented the toilet. Yes. Or, or Yeah, or at least improved upon it. All right. Richard Crapper. Richard Crapper. Okay. How do you think it was invented? Well, I'm pretty sure, you know, it probably just started out as a hole in the ground. And then I'm sure by the time the Romans came around, because I heard that they had like working sewage, like a working sewage system, working plumbing system. Okay. And so, and so did the Aztecs, I believe. I But I don't know. It was probably a bucket above a hole that led to a larger hole underground for a few hundred years. And then it ended up being the porcelain bowl we know and love today. Are you ready to get rebutted? Yes, please rebut me. So your theories are okay. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for trying to be gentle. So you had some words about Thomas Crapper. We'll we'll get to him. Okay. We'll get to that S pipe. So <laughs> it's called an S pipe. It is called an S pipe, what you're talking about okay. uh, regarding the sewage. But first, we need to start out a little bit earlier in history. Uh-huh. Regarding the history of the modern flush toilet, it goes back pretty far. I'll have a few words about the Romans, but I'm going to start out uh, with the Sir John Harrington era. Oh. So, according to smithsonianmag.com, the first flush toilet was invented in 1596, but wasn't common until 1851. So, So that's an important distinction when we're talking about toilets. There's the era before the flush toilet, and then the flush toilet era to today. BF before flush. Yeah. So Sir John Harrington invented that first flush toilet and it was it called for a two foot deep oval bowl that was waterproofed with pitch resin and wax and fed by water from an upstairs cistern. This pot required seven and a half gallons of water Hmm. so here's the thing is that's a lot of water that is a lot of water for a toilet yeah and until pretty modern times water wasn't just coming from the tap you know water doesn't grow on trees so (laughs) an obvious solution would be for people to go a few flushes before flushing, right? Oh, I don't like where this is going. So how many people do you think would use this toilet before it would get flushed? Seven when, gallons. When, when times of water were low. Seven gallons, huh? Seven um, and a half gallons of water. Oh, so seven how and a half, okay. Yeah, yeah. So when the water supply was low, how many people do you think would go before flushing? Um, I kind of want to say like one gallon per person, but I have a bad feeling it's going to be far more than that and I'm going to be disgusted. Yeah. So according to Smithsonian, up to 20 people would use the toilet before it would get flushed. Ew! Oh, gosh! 
It's kind of like when the electricity goes out, but much worse. Ooh. Mr. Harrington, Mr. Sir Harrington, mm-hmm. had a sense of humor. Uh-oh. He described his device, this toilet, in a satirical pamphlet. Can you guess what it was titled? Is it a pun? Yes. <laughs> I don't know, just tell me. This pamphlet was called A New Discourse on a Stale Subject called The Metamorphosis of Ajax. Now, what you might not know is it's a pun on the term Ajakes, which was a popular slang term for toilets. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. You had said something about toilets before they were flush toilets. Mm-hmm. You just do do in a hole in the ground, yeah. Yeah, so that's true. So toilets were originally, um, they could be a few different things depending on the time period and where you were in the world. They were communal outhouses, chamber pots, and holes in the ground. Ah, uh, chamber pots. I forgot to mention those. Those are yeah. things colonial times. Yeah, so part of what really popularized toilets and bathrooms in general, like indoors, was during the 11th century castle building trend. Like, you know how they all went kind of crazy in the 11th century and built castles everywhere? I didn't know that it was a trend and it only happened in the 11th century, but go on. Yeah, during the 11th century, everybody was like, hey, you got a castle? Check out my castle. And for the first time, bathrooms were connected to the architecture en masse. And these bathrooms were called garter robes. Yeah. And uh, it kind of went through a little bit of an evolution. But later on, these bathrooms had toilets that led to, generally speaking, giant holes in the ground, its own cesspool, or it would be connected to, it would drop directly into the moat or the river that protected the castle. Hmm. So it was just like an infinity pool of human waste. That's disgusting. Yeah. Here's an interesting fact about garter robes. What, well, tell me what you think it translates to. Can you give me a spelling? G-A-R-D-E-R-O-B-E-S. Garter robes. Could it mean crap pool? Or, you know, it could be pronounced guard robes. I'm not sure. My guess still stands. I think, it's, I think it means crap pool. I like it. But no. Okay. Uh, according to Smithsonian, it translates to guarding one's robes. And do you want to know why they would use that term? Yes. So people would hang their clothes in the toilet shaft. Oh. Why do you why do you think they would do that? Oh, I can't think of a good reason why. Maybe, like, the ammonia from the pee, like, washes their clothes or something? I don't know. You are so close. Really? (laughs) You are so close. Really? Yeah. Then please tell me. They would hang their clothes in the toilet shaft because the ammonia was thought to kill fleas. Is that actually true? I don't know. It didn't say, but it was thought to kill fleas. 
I don't think this was true. Um, I kind of want to stop and look that up. (laughs) So, why do you think it took so long for the flush toilet to become popular? Because it was expensive. Yeah, it was expensive. It was kind of hard to produce. But then, and you're going to love this. Uh Uh-oh. The Industrial Revolution came to be. Yay! So the Industrial Revolution was needed before the flush toilet became popular. It took a solid couple hundred years just because manufacturing and all that just hadn't been popularized. It hadn't been invented. Mm -hmm. So here's where you're going to get rebutted regarding the S-pipe. Oh, okay. The year was 1775. (laughs) And English inventor Alexander Cumming. You know, that name is almost as bad as Crapper. Alexander Cumming was granted the first patent for a flush toilet, which uses the S-pipe. Oh. And you were right about why the S-pipe is popular and why it exists. It's because it would stop the sewage gases from coming back into the home where it would smell awful. Yes. Yeah. But here's where Thomas Crapper comes in. Ooh, here's my boy. Yeah, your boy Thomas Crapper in the 19th century created one of the first widely used flush toilets. He didn't invent the flush toilet. He didn't invent the S-pipe. But do you want to take a guess at what he did invent? Toilet lids. No. Come on, Tommy C., what'd you make? Tommy C. invented the, wait for it, ball cock. The what? Thomas Crapper invented the ball cock, which is basically a device for filling the toilet, and we still use this today. Really? Really. So if you go into your toilet right now, there is probably a ball cock hanging around. You had a fun fact about the Romans, which was kind of correct. Early toilet systems were used among the Romans, according to history.com. Ah, okay. Can you tell me why skyscrapers are designed the way that they are? Does this have to do with toilets? Yes. Is it so the sewage pipes could run through? Basically, one of, one of the primary elements that goes into designing skyscrapers is based on where the toilets are located. That's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. I guess that's why we come here. Familyhandyman.com had a lot <laughs> to say about toilets. I like that website. There was a type of toilet fixture in Italy a long time ago. Now... You probably don't know much about this obscure toilet fixture, but what do you think it was like? What was its design like? How was it used? That kind of thing. Powered by aqueducts. That's all I have to say. So there was a toilet fixture in Italy. It was public. Oh, boy. It appeared, um, I only saw some, I only saw one picture and it was like, definitely, definitely looks a little bit different than it would have back then, but um, it was public. I don't think there were any walls or dividers. How oh many, no. How many people do you think could go at the same time? I'm gonna guess 25. You're close. 
Am I? How many? 20. Ooh, that's horrible. Yeah, it, it was a very, uh, it was a very public sort of social place to be. Mm. What do you think their system of toilet paper was? Well, I don't think modern paper was even around yet, let alone toilet paper. So I'm going to guess they probably crushed up some kind of leaf into a pulp and used that. In this particular Italian location, their wiping mechanism was... Wait, there's a mechanism? There's a mechanism. Oh, no! (laughs) So their wiping mechanism was a communal sponge on a stick. Oh, God! (laughs) That's so... That's the worst thing you've told me today. Oh, no. They must have got all sorts of diseases. Yeah, probably. Oh, the fall of the Roman Empire was because of dirty poop sponge. I don't think this was during the Roman Empire. Okay, oh, so this was just like someplace in Italy during not the Roman Empire kind of deal. I'm not sure what the time period was. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, the Etruscans. Oh no. The fall of the Etruscans was the because of the, the Etruscans. Was because of the poop sponge. Well, cause and I did get like a C minus in art history, so I probably will be wrong on this. To my memory of my art history class, the Etruscans kind of mysteriously disappeared. Maybe they all caught some kind of weird poop disease. Yeah, honestly, I'm not sure. I, yeah, I'm just, like, caught up on this sponge on a stick. Yeah, that's easily the worst thing you've ever said to me, period. No, maybe not. I, you know, I don't believe you. Mm, yeah, there's probably... Okay, yeah, I just thought of something worse, never mind. <laughs> that I won't be sharing today. Great. Here's another fun fact from FamilyHandyMan.com. Tell me what you know about outhouses. Well, they are a wooden box with a roof on it. They're basically like wooden porta potties, to my knowledge. And I don't know how they get the poop out of there. How do they get the poop out of porta potties? That's probably the same way, if I had to imagine. Like, maybe, do they have to, like, shovel it? So, you are aware that outhouses were pretty common in America. Yes. Until when? Do you think they were popular? I'm going to say the 1940s. You're not far off. Oh. Yeah. So outdoor outhouses were common in America until the 1930s. And this is because in uh, many parts of rural America, they didn't have electricity until the 1930s. So they continued to use outhouses. And I like to think that Courage the Cowardly Dog was based in the late 20s, and that's why there was an outhouse. I'm going to rebut you there because they did have a TV, and I don't think the TV became popular until the 50s. Well, that'll be for another episode then. Yeah. See, I thought, I was thinking the 40s because I didn't think anything could get super popular during the Great Depression, so I I gave it another decade. 
I think it's possible that um, it kind of existed on a little bit of a wider time span, but that during the 30s is when rural America started to get more electricity than other time periods. Right, gotcha. Yeah. So, like, if I had to guess, there are probably still some places in America that use outhouses. I don't know. Um, I could be totally wrong. Listeners, if you happen to know that I'm wrong, please let us know. If you have an outhouse, please let us know. One more activity. All right. This comes from two different sources. This is going to come from urbanthesource.org and wiktionary.org. I want you to name as many potty synonyms as you can think of. The porta potty, the john, the crapper. The Magic Poo Collector, The Harrison, My Social Life, yeah, and I think that's it. Okay, so those were pretty good, uh, pretty general. The Porta Potty, though, uh, is not on this list. I think that's because that's like a brand name. Oh, uh, okay. So here's a few more. There's the Quincy, <laughs> the Latrine. Oh, I forgot that one. The pisser. <laughs> the head. Yeah. The bog, which is British slang. Mm. Thunderbox. <laughs> These are all great. The stool pool. Oh, don't like that one. Thunder mug. Nice. Extra mint. Okay. U.S. Constitution. <laughs> oh, no. Poopatorium. Nice. Oompa Doompa. <laughs> Ring Ripper. <laughs> the Beached Whale. <laughs> the Blooper. Okay. And one more. Mm-hmm. One more. The Grand Finale. George W. Bush. <laughs> well done. So. Oh, <laughs> I love it. I think that just about concludes this episode of Research Rebuttal Podcast. You can find us on social media. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Research Rebuttal Podcast and on Twitter at Research Rebut. Feel free to DM us or email us. You can email us at researchrebuttalpodcast at gmail.com. And, uh, you know, if you have any topic suggestions, drop them there. Let us know if, let us know if you have an outhouse. I know, I'm genuinely curious. Do any of you have an outhouse? Please let us know and please send a picture. Yeah. Not of what's in it, but, you know, the outside. Yeah, send us pictures of your outhouse. I want to know if it has one of those little moon shapes. Yeah, they all have moon shapes, huh? Yeah. So... Thanks for listening. See ya. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, 
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.